The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Dan Feldman. If you're listening to this podcast with Nate and Keith Smith talking about the collective bargaining agreement, you're probably interested in the NBA salary cap. You might want more NBA salary cap coverage and details involving the cap in podcast form. You might want to look at cap sheets for every team. If that's the case, a great way to do that, subscribe to Dunktown Prime. We've got cap sheets for every team updated regularly. And of course, Nate and Danny are frequently on the podcast talking about these topics in great depth and detail. If you want to get more of this content, you can subscribe to Dunktown Prime at Dunktown dot supportingcast.fm thanks for listening all right time to welcome on a guest that i've wanted to have on again he came on a couple years talking about the orlando magic because he's based in orlando but that that's not the main portion of his work it's since kobe price was available who is a magic fo- focused person we had him on but instead i want to have keith smith on to talk about something that has been in the news a lot both of our specialties even more his than mine at this point the cba <laughs> keith how you doing man i'm doing well thanks for having me Absolutely. And of course, uh, your work at Spot Track is essential for all of us cap dorks recording the actual salaries for public consumption. I know that takes a, a lot of work and a <laughs> lot of sourcing and a lot of calls. So I definitely uh, appreciate you doing that because I definitely I can make a call here and there, but I definitely do not have the the time to get all of that stuff out in the public domain. So that is uh, absolutely essential work. And also essential work is getting this next CBA done. The two parties can opt out on December 15th. Either side may, which means that somebody is going to, (laughs) inevitably. And that would mean that this CBA will expire at the end of this season. So before we get into just the general, some of the big issues that we have, we want to talk about ownership's biggest issues, the biggest player issues, and then some of the things that are more pie in the sky that we would like to see. What's your feeling on just the tenor of these talks so far, whether we could in fact have a work stoppage. Yeah. In general, I don't think we're uh, going to be at any risk of missing games the next year. I think I, it's funny. I've had a few people who don't follow it the way we do. are like, wait, they like, so the season could just end in the middle of December. And it's like, no, 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 this season is fine. This just means next year could potentially be impacted. Um, but I don't think they're gonna, I, I think, The lesson I learned many, many years ago was half a watermelon is better than a whole grape. And right now, both sides have a whole bunch of watermelons that they're splitting up. I mean, they're making more money than they ever have. I think they came out of three pandemic-impacted seasons better than anyone ever could have expected. So I really don't have a lot of fear that there's going to be a lockout unless one side or the other really starts, you know, 
we have to have X as an issue that that could maybe drive that. And I know we're going to get into some of those topics, but I, I just, I, I don't, I think they'll all come to their senses on those things and say, Hey, we're all making too much money to risk uh, missing out on any of it. Yeah. And for those who want a little more background on this as well, Danny and I talked CBA for probably about 20 minutes or so on, I think that was Monday night uh, talking a little bit about the, the hard cap and also my opinion, why if the owner's, really wanted to they can crush the players in a lockout it's just a question of whether they're willing to do that whether they're willing to risk the loss of, of fan engagement uh so if you want to hear more about why i believe that listen to a couple days ago's pods on dunked on prime uh which by the way if you're listening on the free pod you should certainly subscribe to so let's i mean there has been this thing that's come out recently from Woj, this idea and i've you know in talking to some people like it does seem like there are at least some people who really want to have this hard cap which they're trying to dress up by calling it something else <laughs> uh lipstick pigs all that but uh i do get a have a sense of how big the groundswell really is even among the ownership side for wanting that before we even get into how much they want it how much whether they all want it or you know, certainly whether the players would agree yeah, I, it's it is interesting. I, I think there are some teams who are pushing it more than than others. That this one almost feels like a lot of times CBA is owners versus players. This one almost seems like owners versus owners versus players. And from the player side, I think it would be, hey, if you're not even all on the same page, like there's not a discussion to be had about this. But I, it, it's one of those things we, we've been hearing about. It. I know you're you're obviously very close to, to the Warriors situation based on where you're located. And there's been a lot of griping about how much they pay for their team. I wrote about it at Spot Track, where I feel like it's a lot of sour grapes um, that, you know, it's just it's it's whining for whining's sake. And, you know, the Warriors aren't doing necessarily anything wrong, um, you know, by spending the way they spend. But I also get that, you know, maybe Oklahoma City and Orlando would struggle to keep up or Memphis and those kind of teams if, if they were in the same situation. So I, I just that's what's hard is there's no real sense of how much owners as a 30 uh, unit group are on the same page here. And if they can't get on the same page, there's certainly no way it can be collectively bargained because you're, what do you have three different uh, sides, you know, in the room fighting for different things. It, it, it just feels like it's one of those that uh, let's put it out there, but who knows if they, do they really want it? Is it going to happen anyway? Yeah. I, I guess there's a, a lot of, components of that and i talked about this some with danny I mean, you, you mentioned number one is you mentioned the sour grapes it's like one sour grape basically right I, this is the first year that we've seen a team that is spent crazily like this actually win it you know the yeah. bucks were like barely into the luxury tax when they won they only won because they or they only got in the luxury tax because they wanted drew holiday triggered a very unlikely bonus uh, yeah uh, at least when he signed <laughs> that contract with new orleans and then the Lakers uh, the year before, I don't think they were in the tax or if they were, it was very minimal. Uh, you know, they put their team together through cap space. Raptors weren't like some massive spender in 19, even the 17, 18 Warriors. They're in the tax, but it wasn't anything crazy. You know, so, you, and obviously like you're going to be a higher spending team if you're ready to win. And the other thing that too, is it's not like baseball where 
one team has a has three hundred million dollars worth of players on the field, and the other team has sixty. This is mm-hmm. yeah, you might have a three hundred million dollar payroll, and the other team has a hundred fifty million dollar payroll, but that's tax penalties. That's not you're not seeing the effect of that extra hundred million dollars on the floor. At least you know it, you're not you're getting really bad value for your money at, at that point, right? Like your actual team salary is twenty million, maybe thirty million more than another team you know the lower revenue teams could afford so i and then you just look outside of the warriors a lot of the high spending teams did really poorly and a lot of the lower spending teams actually were fine so i i don't think that this whole deal like oh we can't have competitive balance without this i i think that's a total some people may really believe that but i don't think that they are right to believe it yeah, I'm with you on that because I also think what gets overlooked in this is, you know, if we use the Warriors as the example here, the Warriors didn't get here in the span of one or even two off seasons. It was years of building to yeah. this point. And, and that's, they've had this team together since basically, you know, 2012, the three main yeah. guys, right? And, yep. the, and those guys, like, you're never going to have three guys who are all making a ton of money, who are Hall of Famers that are on a team for 10 consecutive years. And guess what? If you do, that's amazing for the league. You probably want to encourage that. Absolutely. And that's what I wrote is, you know, I want to say the number was for their title team last year, eight players were drafted by the Warriors. That's something we should be celebrating. You know, and they and instead it's, you know, no, we got to tear this team down. And then even Andrew Wiggins, that was done by rolling over a salary slot in smart and creative ways they they could have very easily when kevin durant wanted to leave say all right here's our chance to cut down let let him go but it was no oh, let's turn it into the what was the rare double sign and trade and get d'angelo russell then we'll flip him and andrew wiggins and and the things so yeah i, I don't have any real issue w- with this i don't think it's quite the worry that people want to make it out to be because i know now some are pointing to the clippers and the nets well Last I checked, they were both out very early in the postseason last year. Cooper's out in the play-in and the Nets out in the first round in a sweep. So, you know, unless we start seeing it really turn into the, you know, final four or eight teams are 20, 30, 40 million into the tax and everybody else can't reach those numbers, I don't know that it's the problem. I think the Warriors are more the blip here than the problem is, is, you know, something we need to be worried about long term. Yeah, I think that's right. And I also think that the system uh, restrictions that were put in with the 2011 CBA, that's much more important than the tax. Like, because that's mm-hmm. limits how much salary you can take on in a given year. And you really have to build up to this very high level. And so, yeah, I, I think ultimately this is like not something that I'm that concerned about. The other thing I would say too, Keith, is the, you make the tax more restrictive. The thing about, big markets is like stars want to go there. That's the bigger problem than that they can spend more. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to, the stars will still go to those places. And then the other teams are not getting the luxury tax money. If they increase the tax or put in this hard cap, that's going to actually negatively impact more teams, bottom lines. Like the smaller market teams from a revenue standpoint, they actually have it pretty damn good right now, right? Like, Oh, well, I guess we can't go into the tax. And then these other teams are, and it's a very restrictive tax. They don't actually get that much better on the floor by adding, you know, you, you add a $5 million player and it costs you $30 million. So like, that's not that big of a deal to add a $5 million player. And now that's a million dollars for, or I guess $500,000 for each of the league's teams whenever they do that uh, or who stay out of the tax approximately. So I don't know. Anyway, 
that's probably we've talked about enough about that, I guess. Uh, unless you had any further thoughts, no, I'm with you. If the teams were so, you know, the, the mindset was like, yeah, you know, it's such a you know major thing. We wouldn't have seen like Boston barely dodged the tax last year, and then they got that twelve million dollar or whatever it was check from all the teams that were in the tax because they were able to get under the tax line. And then that presumably some of that 12 million is now being reinvested into the fact that they're you know 20-ish million over the tax this year. So I think that's the more important thing here is that I, I don't want to get into a spot where we have, you know, the the uh, Oakland A's and Tampa Rays where it's just, hey, we're collecting the, this money from everybody else and our payrolls are you know ridiculously low and we're just kind of piling this money in. I think in the NBA, there's so much incentive structure to there is a floor that you have to hit or at least pay out to that we're never going to get to that point of teams, you know, basically saying, you know, all right, well, we've got a you know $200 million payroll imbalance between the highest and the lowest. I don't know that we're going to get quite that high just because I, I think, you know, there are structures in place. I, I do think, you know, I don't know if you want to get into it, but a couple things is, I think the five million tax bans are too small now. They, yeah, they made yeah. sense, but yeah, that's now half the MLE amount. You know, that's yeah. that's not really good. We we shouldn't be. You know, we need to rethink that. Team shouldn't yeah. be in the 2017 CBA. It was called right sizing, where yeah. they changed the rookie scale to adjust to the cap. They changed the uh, the MLE and the exceptions to adjust to the cap every year. So those are rising. The tax level itself rises. But yeah, why you wouldn't have the bands within the tax also rising commensurate with the cap or the tax every year, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The answer, I think, is, well, most teams would prefer that they don't, right? Like, you would rather just sure. have the tax be more punitive. That would be fair, but I just don't see that being enacted because just not enough people are going to want that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think you are going to have teams that say, nope, even, you know, hey, you want to use the taxpayer mid-level, which, you know, will take you from one band to the next. You're going to pay for it. I think you're going to see more teams say, you know, do that because I think there there is this thought of, hey, if you're already that high uh, above, like I want every penny we can get out of you. And then I know there's been bandied about and I'm in a big supporter of this is I think there should be some some form of tax relief for players that get drafted. Um, I Now, I want to be very clear, in my opinion, tax relief, not cap relief. I don't think yes, you should get a, yes. any cap relief. That's not – that would be a very unfair playing field um, with that. Just, you know, I don't think that, but tax relief, yeah. And I, I don't have the right number. I don't know if it's half or, you know, they only count for two-thirds or whatever it is. I also think it should probably only be for players on a third contract. Um, with the team because that second contract we see now more often than not those are getting signed just with the idea of sign it because we can always yeah. move you know the or, move or, or something or we but, could say maybe yeah. just like you know eight or nine years of experience right yeah then, exactly then yeah. you might see teams be like oh third contract all right well we'll yeah, sign so you we'll to three years and then we'll yeah this is Good technically point. your third contract so yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I um, think when I think third contract, I think that 10 plus years of service. But yeah, maybe that's the way you go with it or something along those lines. But yeah, yeah I, they, they, there should be something there where, um, you know, because again, not to make this all about the Warriors, but I there should be some reward for 
hey, you know, a decade ago, we drafted Curry, Green, and Thompson, and it worked out really great that we still have them. And we still have them at playing at levels where we paid them a bunch of money. There should be some reward for that versus just more and more punitive punishment. Yeah. Well, some people would say the reward is uh, four championships <laughs> sure. in eight years. <laughs> well, but no, I, I, I got you. And not every team that does that is going to be in championship contention. Exactly. Necessarily. So the way I wanted to do this is when we let try to give our subjective opinions on each of these proposals, because obviously there are reasons the owners of players might want certain things, but I think the fan is wondering, well, if this gets enacted, is this good for the game? So uh, as far uh, let's just rate it on one to 10, a hard cap, zero is bad for the game. 10 is absolutely amazing. Let's do it. What's your number on whether a hard cap would be good for the game? Probably like a two or three. I, I I can kinda see the idea of let's not let it get too far away from you know where one team is vastly outspending you know everybody else. But overall I think it, it it if you set that hard cap too low, which is more likely what I think would happen, um, than it being too high, is then it limits player movement, which limits the ability to kind of teams to fix themselves in situations. And it's just it's not good for anybody. So yeah, I would say at best a two or a three, but um, that may even be too high. I agree with you. I think it's a solution in search of a problem. It's going to have tons of unintended consequences with teams that are good being broken up for financial reasons. I don't think that's good for the game okay. to have to have a team that's broken up because the ownership can't afford it. That's not good for fans of that team to see that your team got broken up for some arcane financial rules that you don't understand. Like That's not good. And when I say it's a solution in search of a problem, I don't think the uh, there is a problem. As I stated, you know, it's just the, the data doesn't support that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I would be at like a one. And then also, by the way, it's probably not too good for the game if there's a locked out and that's what's going to have to happen. To enact that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. unless. Yeah. 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 That definitely yeah, so, will not happen without a lockout. Um, and, and I mean, you know, if I were the players, listening, I might be like, OK, you want to throw me four points of BRI? You can have your hard cap. <laughs> I might say that. Uh, but because sure. that's the other thing. I mean the players are going to get the same amount of money regardless. Like that's how the system works. Like, yeah, certain players get more on paper, certain players get less, but they're going to get between 49 and 51% of BRI, no matter what happens. And it doesn't, that's at least one thing that does make me feel good. Keith is like, nobody is talking about trying to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Cause if that was a big push, which I, the last CBA wasn't, but in prior uh, versions of CBA conversations, that always was a, uh, you know, what, what do we need to get to for the sharing of the, the revenue um, and the income that comes in for basketball reasons? That was always a major thing. And that was, you know, probably the number one reason we ended up with multiple, you know, lockouts. Like the last uh, CBA introduced a lot of new things, but in talking with people on both sides, the team side and the player side with it, um, they, they refer to them as easy and I'm putting quotes yeah. around easy because none of this stuff is easy, but it was the big stuff's fixed. We're, we're, we're basically splitting the money 50, 50. So that's the easy stuff. Now it's, or that's the hard part. Now it's on a, all the easier things of, all right, how do we change this to make it a little bit better for groups or teams or groups of players or whatever it is. So yeah, I, I, I that part, I am very, that's why I'm mostly, you know, uh, enthusiastic that we won't see any kind of um, lockout coming or anything like that. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 
2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where, do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us Okay, um, this is actually, let's skip around a little bit in my sure. plan, because you talk to a lot of agents. You've, you've maybe probably talked to agents, I'm guessing, more on a daily basis than most people about just some of, like, the small minutia of what's going on. So, uh, what are some of the bigger issues from, like, the player side? Like, what we haven't really heard anything about what the players want. Do you have any kind of a sense of And now it's natural that the owners are, are always the ones pushing and proposing things. They're more unified. What do the players 
seeking here or or do they just want to consolidate their gains and not get screwed over too badly in the negotiations i think the single biggest thing i hear from agents and even from some players uh that are on the higher end is fixing the extension rules um yes. that, that, that those are just they, they're kind of broken um to the point where you've got guys like Jalen Brown and Pascal Siakam, who are now established all-star level pushing Siakam's there, but Brown pushing potential all-NBA level. And they really can't extend right now because they would have to leave so much money on the table. Um, that's the number one thing I hear regularly is we've got to find a way to fix those extension rules. And I think that is one that should hopefully seem fairly easy because I think it benefits the team as well as the player to Hey, now we've just got the guy. We got him signed and he wanted to be here, at least for now. And we all know how that goes. That could change down the line. But for now, you know, everybody's locked in and, and ready to go. So that is the number one thing I hear. And then there's a couple others, but they're on the, uh, you know, more. There, there's a couple, I think, that are more pie in the sky. And then there, there's one that I think is more um, on the lower end players. Um, but I hear it a lot from the agents who represent those guys uh, of a fix. But we can get into that after if you want. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about this uh, first, fixing the extensions. They, I think they got, you know, 85% of the way there in the last CBA because there were basically no veteran extensions at all in the 2011 CBA. I think there were like three or four total it was like Andrew Bogut, Kobe, Anderson Verzhai. Maybe there was like one or two more. Mm -hmm. uh, so they they fixed that with the ability to at least go. You can now do it after two years instead of three, and you can get 120 percent raises, or you can at least get something starting at 120 percent of the estimated average player salary for the year in which the extension was signed. But that still isn't enough for a lot of these guys, as you alluded to. And so do you have any understanding of kind of what realistic proposals might be? Because it does seem like the owners still want to have limits on these things just to save them from themselves. So you don't get Richard Hamilton and Steven Jackson like you had, <laughs> sure. which is what caused the overcorrection in the other direction in the 2011 CBA. Yeah, they, I think there is a there, there's a belief on maybe if we want to stay within the designated player and designated veteran rules set that we that that gets expanded a little bit more um whether it be for uh guys going on to that second contract um off the rookie scale or players coming out of the um you know second deal and into the so-called supermax i think they'd like to see it more of like in pascal siakam's cases once you've made all nba you've kind of in a sense established all right i can be an all nba player and get rid of the, it's got to be within X amount of years of yeah, the yeah. contract ending. That's probably the number one thing that I hear for those high-end players. I've also heard suggestion from uh, teams that have said, hey, if I've got a guy and I have had him, so I'll use Jalen Brown as the example here. He is, you know, we've had him on a, we had him rookie scale. We've had him on a second contract, which was, Yo, albeit below max, but pretty close. If why am I being held off on? Why can't I just say I want to give him thirty five percent? You, you get penalized for signing a guy to a good contract, basically. Exactly. The current rules. Yep. Dejounte yeah, Murray is in a similar situation now. Yep. Dejounte Murray. Yeah. I mean, we can probably list off a whole bunch of guys that are in that spot. And it's and I think what one of the things that I hear you know from agents all the time is it, it should just be you know. 
it should be allowed to say, hey, the team agrees. We want we want 35%. Team agrees 35%. Why are we being told no when with the two parties that really it should matter to are in agreement on that? And that's where I think that's one of the things that there there's a big push of, you know, hey, we should be able to go to that, you know, we're right away in an extension without having to say there. Now, oddly enough, I hear a lot of them saying, hey, I get it. We, you know, the the limits on years that can be added to, to a deal. I don't hear as much riping about that saying like, hey, we should always be able to do a four or five year extension um, when those are actually very rare to see. Um, those things I don't necessarily really hear, but it's more that if we all, we're all in agreement of let's push up to the max, why can't we do that today? You know, right now, today, get it done. It's locked in and then we all move on. Yeah, I've been saying that for a while. I wrote a piece actually before the 2017 CBA, back when I remembered uh, what a keyboard was for, <laughs> that uh, this was I, there wasn't really a groundswell for this. I'm glad that there kind of is now uh, among some of the parties that just make the 35% max available to anyone. And why should even you be limited to 25% or 30% on your rookie extension? Because you like that age of player you know for like 24 to 28 or 25 to 30 that's going to be the best players in the nba a lot of times like those guys should be making the most money artificially those guys can't make as much and then it gets reallocated to a bunch of veterans who are making 35 percent of the cap and aren't worth it probably Mm -hmm. so like i don't know that that's really good for the game like you it's i think it's best for the game to have the the players who are worth it be the ones who are getting paid the most now on the other and, and extensions I, I kind of agree too it's like hey if you got adequate bird you'll if you're gonna have adequate bird rights on this guy to give him whatever when he becomes a free agent at the end of this contract why can't you just do whatever those bird rights would allow you to do then yep. now you know and particularly for like guys like a Jalen Brunson or something like that where they're just they're making the minimum everyone knows they're gonna get way more than 12 million dollars a year and you just can't pay them more so that's that's one side of the coin the other side of the coin to me, though, is isn't it better for the NBA to have more players reach free agency and not have as many extensions? What do you think of that? No, yeah, I think there's definitely truth in that. I mean, we we all love free agency, right? Like it's, you know, it, I mean, for guys like you and I who've been doing this for a long time, it used to be easier for you on the West Coast. But I imagine before you're even a West Coaster, staying up to an unreasonable time at night to find out about deals, you know, and, and then being yeah, a zombie. One thirty is a perfectly reasonable <laughs> time of night. That, that, that's when I go to bed every night. That's very reasonable. Sure. Yeah. It's um the the, the challenge for me was when then I had to get up at five thirty the next morning to go uh, to yeah. nine to five. But yeah, but it's yeah, we all love it, right? Now now I mean we're all tuned in. If you love the NBA, you're tuned in and dialed in at you know now six PM Eastern on June thirtieth, because you know you're gonna get a bunch of deals that come in. So yeah, I think there is as much as it at times pains me because I I love the roster and transaction side of it. It it is a little weird that there's so much about you know love around NBA trades and signings and things um, that come versus watching games. It seems for some people, but hey, lean into it, let it go, you know. And also, I think I, what I worry about is if you go too far with fixing the extension rules. You're going to have teams that are going to look at it and say, all right, I've got all these young players that I like. I'm going to sign them all to, you know, extensions. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, wow, player X, Y, and Z didn't really develop the way I hoped they would. Yeah. And now you're kind of stuck. 
And then what that runs into is, all right, now I'm trapped into this team and how do I get out of it? You know, and that that's where you can see, I mean, we, we know there's been teams when they take on too many bad contracts, if they're not in one of those marquee traditional markets, people kind of lose interest because it's like, all right, I'll come back when you kind of fix things, but I have no interest in watching, you know, a whole bunch of overpaid guys out there every night that are, you know, at best chasing the eighth seat. Um, so that, that is one thing I do worry about is I, I still think if we're going to do, if we're going to still confine ourselves to a max contract, I don't hate the idea of you can only have X amount of them on each team. I, I think two is, and it's generally kind of two. Um, I think two yeah. is well, probably in terms of small. like the designated player. Exactly. At least. Yeah. 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 I think that's kind of, that might be too small, but maybe I don't know that I necessarily want it to be, Hey, you can give it to whoever you want. Cause I think, we all know some teams can't help themselves and they're going to get super excited because they're young team. Yo, what if the Orlando magic or Houston Rockets in the next year had, Hey, we actually made it to the playoffs and we pushed the ultimate champion in the first round. And then I want to lock in on all my guys and I'm going to get them all signed to extensions. And then it doesn't get better than that. All of a sudden you're, you're trapped and stuck. So, you know, maybe still say, I don't know, two or four players at most, but it's, it's one of those things where I, you, you just, you, I don't want to go so far that teams will, won't be able to help themselves and they'll lock themselves into a bunch of bad contracts and crappy teams yeah. that have no way out. So I do think. Yeah, because there's this dichotomy, which you really touched on well there, of, all right, saving people from themselves and just, like, it's bad for the NBA to have a lot of bad contracts on the books, like a lot of guys who aren't getting paid. It's not really fair to the players either that, hey, there's no money to go around because, you know, uh, Kemba Walker is still on the books for $27 this year. He's not even in the league, that kind of thing. Uh, So, you know, I think that is an important goal for both the – the teams and the players like the players i think there's a a thinking of like yeah just like throw it get everyone paid like let's you know let each individual guy get as big a contract as possible you know they're diminishing returns to that right like you don't Mm -hmm. because then there's not as much left over for everyone else uh and obviously teams could really be screwed now teams are not as dumb as they used to be back in the 2011 cba you know they have a better understanding although you know, we'll see. Uh, like, there have been a lot of extensions thrown around, and they haven't necessarily come home to roost yet. You know, we haven't really seen what all these extensions, like post twenty nineteen, uh, have really done yet. So that could change. So, but then obviously, there's the fairness of like, hey, these are parties negotiating. Like, let them do what they want. Why are you artificially limiting what people can make? The excitement I- of free agency. Then that gets balanced with, well, don't you want like continuity with these teams and all that? <laughs> yeah. But I do think the other purpose that more players reaching free agency serves is you are making the contract decision on them with the most possible information Mm -hmm. at that time. You're not making the contract decision two years before the guy is going to become a free agent like Carl Anthony Towns, for example, and now he's getting 35% of the salary cap or or John Wall two years before he's going to become a free agent. So much can change then. So just simply allowing the parties to have more information when they're agreeing to the contract, you know, I think that's, that helps like that. The more free agency there is, unless it's 2016 and there's just a crazy amount of money, (laughs) but the more free agency there is, I think the fewer bad contracts you're going to get. So anyway, I, I think I would like there to be more free agency. Uh, you know, players can always go back to their teams as well. Like the, the extensions kind of limit things. I guess one last thing on this point, and 
this is turning into a long podcast, not a surprise because we're dorks on this. <laughs> Some teams might say, hey, at least we have the ability to extend this guy. We'll prevent him from getting to free agency. And then we can, there'll still be plenty of player movement with trades. And then we can at least get something for the guy. Like that's, I think yeah. a lot of teams would say that too. And I think sometimes people get more excited about the trades because then there's two sides, potentially multiple players involved versus, you know, all right, assigning is fun and all, but it's one player to one team. And then yeah. maybe the team that they left. But a lot of times I think we know, you know, all right, this guy's leaving. So that's, you know, they're almost out of the mix. One thing I want to say too, like I want to use this real example here because because you brought yeah. up like Kemba Walker on this. I think the trickle down that gets missed with this is he's 27 million dead money on the Thunder's books right now. And, and this is not a criticism of them for not, not using their full mid-level exception. But they've not done that. They still have like six point six million or so left of the MLE. Part of the reason why they're not doing that is because to use that would have pushed them very close to the tax. And part of that is because that dead money is sitting on the books, and that's you know caused by well, that was the con. Yeah, I know it wasn't an extension, but that was the deal he signed with Boston, and it got moved as bad money and those kind of things. If that goes up, we're just going to see more of that where it may be the trickle down is some player out there took a minimum that maybe could have got four million of that mid-level exception, you know, five million of the MLE from from a team instead of, you know, all right, all we have is minimums. I think if we go too far with the extensions, we run the risk of having a whole bunch of teams with a lot of guys that are maxed out and then a whole bunch of guys on minimums and then kind of filled in with the rookie scale. We're kind of sort of there-ish now, hmm. but there is a lot less usage, full usage of the MLE going on with teams now. Some of it's very smart because, yeah. you know, why am I spending all this money for bad right. teams? And part of it is like, there yeah. just aren't good players who are worth those Correct. contracts available because everyone is extended already. Yep, that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, you know, guys get take off the list. So, yeah, I just, you want want to be cautious with, with the extensions. Do you, do you want me to get into one on the kind of opposite end, though, that I hear Well, a well lot quickly, let's, let's just, let's wrap up on this issue. Sure. Liberalizing the extension rules just in general with, with the caveat that we don't know exactly what the policy is. Zero out of ten. Uh, bad for the game, good for the game. Um, I'll say eight. I, I think it would be good to, uh, you know, fix it and make it, you know, better as long as teams can control themselves. Yeah, I might, I would maybe want to say that you just can't extend it all until there's one year left on your deal. I think that might fair. be, so, and, but, but then we'll also liberalize it. Mm -hmm. That might be something where, cause it's just two years. It's just, it's, a, it's it too is, far out, man. Like yep. it, it's, and particularly some of these designated player veteran extensions, but whatever, you know, we're uh, those, the first of those contracts are just ending now. And some of them turned out. Okay. Stephen Curry also aged better than just about anyone in NBA history. And <laughs> yep. some of them with John Wall and Russell Westbrook less. So yeah, I would probably go with the six. I think there could, we could be tilted too far in the direction of everyone extending, but I also recognize kind of the fairness issues there as well. Okay. Yeah. Get, give me some more of, of stuff from the player side. Cause that's, that's really what I haven't heard much of. So that's what I'm most interested to hear. Sure. Yeah. They, they want on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I get this from a ton of agents and then they love to send me a whole lot of data to back it up is mm. they don't like the two-way contracts. They hate them. 
Um, there, there is a very strong belief that two ways have largely replaced teams filling out their rosters. Um, they believe that two way contracts have, have many teams have gone in basically saying, yeah, we're going to let an open roster spot ride, um, because we know we've got 50 games of two way players and it's really ends up being more than that. Cause the early part of the season and the end part of the season don't really count, um, towards those 50 when the G league's not in play. So that turns into, less players getting those kind of those non-guaranteed money um, at the end of the benches um, with then also an NBA year of experience, which is very important. Um, and it limits the 10 day call-ups um, because man, I can just bring my two way guy up. If I get somebody out sprained ankle is going to be out a week. I don't need to do a 10 day to bring a guy up to fill the open roster spot. We'll just recall the two way guys and have them. So there's a lot of uh, groups that are out there that is, they get it, but it they're they're really pushing like it's gotta we gotta fix it. Not necessarily for the two way players themselves. A lot of what they've done with the money has um, been already bargained. It was like a side letter bargained in of like, hey, this isn't really fair to these guys, so let's change some of these rules on the fly that both teams agreed to, or both sides rather agreed to. Um, teams and, and players, but it's more how many other guys are missing out on on roster opportunities because teams have these guys on these two ways. So there, there's a lot of lot of the far end of it. I know that's end of the bench stuff, but those guys matter a lot too, especially to agents and to those players. It's huge that they feel like, hey, I might be missing out on a spot because somebody else is already in place within the organization. Yeah, how many teams aren't at 15 right now? Um, maybe like five or six. I want to say. Yeah, I think so. Probably in that range. It, it it did definitely go down this year. Uh, you know, the last couple of years have just been so weird with all the COVID um, yeah. extra stuff. And, it, and it's a lot of the teams that have um, tax concerns. Um, you know, the Warriors are sitting on an open spot. Yeah. The Clippers, the, the Suns are always sitting on an open spot. Uh, Portland. Um, yeah, there's a handful of others um, that, are, that are sitting on open roster spots right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe... This is a very complex issue as well. I mean, and I know I don't touch as many agents as you, but it definitely is kind of frustrating, particularly even for a guy who's, it's probably worse for guys who are good. Mm -hmm. And the focus is always on guys who are going to be, it started even in the first year of the two ways with uh, like Tyrone Wallace, who looked like he was going to be pretty good. And then he weirdly petered out, but you know, and then uh, also I think like the, the one thing I'm unequivocal about is I think the, restricted free agency for two-way guys needs to change ridiculous like if you, yeah you that should be you have to offer a required tender of yep. one year at the minimum salary to keep them right to just the qualifying offer is another two-way that's like not even or is it what is it like like 50k guaranteed yeah like, no that's that's ridiculous like if you want to have match rights on this guy you have to offer them a real nba contract yeah completely um, agree yeah that, that so that's and i do yeah. hear that one quite a bit too yeah because if he's if you're not even invested enough in this guy to offer him one guaranteed year at the minimum, then you shouldn't have the right to match. Mm-hmm. No, completely. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that that I agree on. That's not fair to those guys. Yeah, and then also you get in this situation too where there's kind of this, and again, you can disabuse me of this, but it certainly seems like when guys sign a two way, there's an informal agreement that not only are you signing a two way, but if we want to convert you, you're gonna do a pretty shitty contract like the mm-hmm. hinky special mm-hmm. type of thing or whatever. And then also that hinky special ends up going like even further out, or maybe you, you play your full two way and then you get a longer contract as well. Or you end up in like David Duke situation. Where you're back on another two way. 
Um, so like it def for the guys who are good. Yeah, it's definite. I think it's not good for those guys. I also think it's bad for the quality of play because when guys, when teams have injuries and just now to have another basically 60 guys not available in the G League that you could bring in because they're on two ways instead, that's not good. So you're, you've got all these injuries, you're signing guys and those guys are even worse than they would be otherwise to find a stopgap. It's just hard to find anybody as well who's like playing well in the G League that's just going to come in because those guys so all of that I I agree it's not great but it also I mean it adds you know probably $800,000 because most teams I think just give guys the like 400k or whatever it's going to be uh when they're on a two-way for the NBA time served Mm -hmm. so overall I think it probably is good because it just gets a lot of guys paid who wouldn't get paid it keeps a lot of guys in the u.s who might need to go to europe to get paid i think that's a good thing too but it does have kind of these negative things and i think like certainly with there are ways it could be reformed uh, absolutely but i'm not i'm not sure I, overall that like the concept is but also a lot of guys who wouldn't have been with the team wouldn't have been in their system develop and become good because they're on two ways and maybe ways that they wouldn't were it not for that yeah, absolutely. I think I I tend to lean towards the more players who can be attached to an organization and in some level is to some extent good because then they're 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 getting that development. I mean, they're they're with the teams. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're there. I think um, I think teams as more and more teams have relocated their two way franchise to be basically you know within a driving distance. We're seeing them use yeah. them. You know, in ways that are you know very good and creative, even for veteran guys like Chris Middleton. Just the other day, assigned to the Wisconsin herd to go down and practice with them on a day when the Bucks weren't going to run a practice. So you know, that's great. That's like the Major League Baseball rehab assignment, kind of. Um, so I think that's that's you know a good thing. I just it, it is funny how you know I think so often and in all of these things we think about well what happens to the you know fifty million dollar max player of the world when you know. Half the league is guys who aren't in that boat. Um, so the, this, yeah, I just wanted to give you that one as a, at the complete opposite end of the structure of, you know, hey, there's stuff here that they want to talk about too. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's something that I think all, another thing this actually got po- uh, posited to me last time around was a team should have the option with a second rounder of offering them a required tender that's the same as you would give the 30th pick in the draft. I love that. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would also have the benefit of uh, teams pushing to maybe trade for second round picks to yeah. you know bring them in and and have that little, little bit longer. That'd be great for the player too, right? Because then they're not stuck on that crappy second round contract where it's like, man, now I'm really kind of trapped here and I don't have a you know chance to get out anytime soon. But at least I'm making you know first round money. I I think that 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 to me would be you know almost an easy no brainer because again, you don't have to do it. Right. But but if you have the ability to give teams the ability to do more things, I think it's great, you know, because and then the players yeah. also if you don't want to do if you don't want to lock in for, you know, up to four years with a team as a second round pick, then say no sign, you know, sign whatever the you know second round t- tender could be. I mean, we, we've yeah. seen that a handful of times right? where players forced is, you know, forced the team's hand where they wanted to stash them. And it's like, nope, I'm done being stashed. I'm signing it. And, you know, then they end up getting waived more often than not or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think that that's a good one. I, I can hit you with two others that are pretty big. Well, well so, so let's wrap or, that up. Oh, yeah, sorry. So <laughs> the idea is eliminating 
the two-way contract completely. Um, I wouldn't think I would be in favor of that. I think it should continue to exist in some form. Um, and it's also, I, I think it's also good, too, for quality of play. You might say, well, you can't sign guys. But it's also good to have 17 guys of guys who know your system that you can yeah. bring in who might be able to at least like keep your team afloat when you have injuries or something. I mean, it was obviously it was very important during COVID as well. So I, I would say reform it, yes, particularly with the restricted free agency required tender. Uh, I guess it's not required tender, qualifying offer. And but I wouldn't want to eliminate it completely. Um, what's your, what's your your final think? You that. and I are on the same same page yeah. with that. I would say, yeah, just f- fix that process after one expires, um, so that the players aren't trapped into you know junk stuff if they're interested. Because like a guy like David Duke would have easily got a real offer from another team, even at the minimum. Yeah. But because it, they they yeah. weren't going to do that for a guy on a two way, so yeah, you get stuck on it, a two way. Although I do I do think though, Keith, like. Teams need to do more offer sheets for these two yeah, guys. Like I don't understand right? why they don't. What? I know. I don't get it, that. It either. almost seems I, like collusion yep. that it's just like this informal agreement <laughs> not to like raid another team too. Like yep. the, would the would the Nets have matched a you know, I mean, and you just say, Hey, we'll we'll give you a two year deal, uh first year guaranteed, second year non guaranteed, right about the minimum. And all right, Nets, you want to match that? Fine. Like that's not tying up your cap space or anything. Like I don't understand yep. why teams don't do that. Yeah, I would love to see it too because then you run into a, uh, you know, hey, I, I maybe it is going to pinch you roster spot wise, but that's that's your problem to figure out. My my issue is I'm trying to get players, and yeah, if I can, you know, if I could throw David Duke Jr. and offer she, you know, three years at the minimum, and then you got to figure it out from there. You know, well, that's on you. Figure it out. You know what you want to do. You figure out your own roster spot. Uh, you know, decision there. I'm. We're we're gonna go. My. You know, I'm gonna do what's best for my team. It's it's almost like a, a minor league version of you know. Hey, I'm gonna throw a max offer sheet at a guy because I know that's the only possible way. Maybe I can get you to not match. This is you know the opposite end. But it, I yeah, I would I would hope teams would be far more aggressive with that. Ah. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us okay give me a, another couple one of the of these here that uh agents taught you about all right so the bit this is a big one and, and oh, this one i do think could be a real what happens with expansion fees because expansion is clearly coming we we know that the, the adam silver for years and years and years, was like, nope, not even thinking about it. And I, when he starts saying things like, yeah, it's on the table, it's up for discussion, we know it's coming. And right now, the players don't really get a chunk of that pie from the the, the fee to buy in. Um, that doesn't, they, they, they don't really get that. Now, yes, it creates obviously uh, 15 to 17 more roster spots and more jobs and all the things there. But that's going to be something where I think there's going to be a you know, real conversation around. All right, we get it. We're going to get our chunk of the TV money. But we know shortly after that's all said and done and the CBA is signed, there's probably going to be some announcement within the next, let's call it two to three years, uh, an announcement, not necessarily the teams will start, of we're expanding by two teams. And that that one is, I've heard that over and over and over again of, hey, we want a piece of that because you're only expanding because there's so many good players in the league that you feel like you can. We're all making so much money. A big chunk of that's because of the players. You know, we, we want a chunk of this too as well. So I think that one's going to be very uh, interesting. And I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I don't really have a feeling for it either way. Yeah, and actually, I, I should have thought of this when I was putting this together. The one thing that the players have floated uh, Tamika Dramelio has, has said this is the idea of somehow getting an ownership stake. And I think mm-hmm. that basically the idea, and you may know more about this media, is like that maybe player salaries, part of their salaries would go into getting ownership over a certain amount of time. I'm not sure if that's only certain players, you know, is it only like you've been on the team for X number of years, like you've built up the equity of this team, or or is it every player, like the whole players association just gets some fund and then when a team gets sold, you get paid out. I'm not sure what that would be. Yeah, I also I don't, have I don't think we're ever going to find out though because yeah. the owners aren't agreeing to it. No, yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're not going down. Yeah, they're not giving up. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it just the players they have no like unless the owners are like yeah, this would be pretty good PR or something. Like yep. the players don't have the leverage to get the owners to do that. The same they, thing with the expansion fees. Yeah, the the only way I could see a player doing that is if it was say someone like Stephen Curry, who's been with the organization by the time, you know, if he retires a warrior, you know, 15 to 20 years, and then it's, Hey, you, as much as anybody else, you helped lift us, you know, to these you know levels that we've never could have expected to be at. Then it could maybe see, all right, in that situation, you know, we'll kick you at 3%. You know, or whatever, but I, I mean, that's probably too high. It's probably more like a half of a percent of ownership stake or something. I just, yeah, I don't know how you would ever get this because, to your point, yeah, no owner because it's it, it really then is only going to probably come out of the majority owner's chunk of the pie because I can't see anybody else who's invested for one percent saying, all right, fine, take you know, 
you know, a third off of my 1% so that we can give it to players. Like that's, I, I just, I, I struggle to see that that being a thing that that happens with the expansion fees. I am very curious just cause I, I do think that that might be a little bit more of a sticky uh, point than we're thinking right now. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though, for the owners, the math on expansion probably doesn't work. Well, so here's the owners would say two things. First of all, they'd say you're getting 30, 34 more jobs. That's that's your benefit from expansion. Yep. There's going to be more. There's going to be more BRI for the owners. The math on expansion maybe doesn't work unless they get that full expansion fee because mm-hmm. now they're reducing the amount of money for the national TV deal and other you know, sponsorships, all this other stuff uh, by you know from one uh, thirtieth to one thirty second. And yep. so now you might say, oh well, you know, there's there's now more revenue as well and. Hey, if you're adding a team like Seattle, like you're if you're adding two teams that are going to be above what the league median was in revenue, and now your national TV deal can go up because you have a team in Seattle or whatever, like okay, you know the math on that is very complex. Sure. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that's just it's rare that I will take ownership side, but I'm not sure that that's particularly realistic. I, I think there's it's a good it, it would be nice if players could get part of the uh you know part of the the money when a, a team gets sold and stuff but also like our players gonna like put up the capital exactly to to yep. do that i mean that's that's part of why you get this return on investment is you you have this capital put up uh i mean maybe they're maybe you could say and then it's just like players are too their careers are too ephemeral like they're not are they still gonna be an owner owner of the team if they you know get traded or they they're uh Yep. You know, so so I mean, I think it would have to be some sort of just like overall league fund where the players' association gets a payout based on return of investment, and the players' association just owns twenty percent of every team or whatever, right? Like that's, that, it would have to be that way. Yeah, yeah but then the, but then of course the players would have to put up that amount of capital to get mm-hmm. to buy in to begin with. Now, if they could do that, then maybe it would make a little bit more sense. I don't, and maybe they could get financing to do that somehow. I I don't know, but I, it's just it seems like it's it's all too complex if the players want to get paid more just getting a higher percentage of bri is a better way to do that but of course the owners won't agree with that either no yeah i I agree the the uh, other thing that i think is maybe what we may see come uh when and i'm not even gonna say if the league expands i'm gonna say when because i i firmly believe it's coming is maybe what the 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 kind of middle ground you find is all right hey not only we're going to create 34 more playing jobs but in every organization, you know, whether it be coaching staff, front office, or whatever, everybody has to have two former player spots that have to go to former players. So you have something waiting for you after retirement uh, for players, you know, and that would create, you know, hundred of extra jobs, you know, around around yeah. the, the the league, you know, as well as that. Cause I think that would be something for um, you know. Just I think sometimes again the top end guys they're fine they can retire and we never hear from them again and they're going to be fine, but some of the guys at the you know bottom of the league that have made the minimum and you know or maybe you know, maybe they pop once and have one ten million dollar contract they're going to need something at, you know in their post playing years and that may be a way to kind of kind of get get those guys in, in a good spot. Um, so yeah, I I, I to, to anticipate your question, I don't think anything happens with this. I think it's going to be a non-starter. I I'm not, you know, I I, yeah. I don't think uh, you know, great for the players if they can get a chunk of it, but I don't think it's coming their way. Yeah, and then also it's like okay, what? So the next CBA negotiations 
it's the players against the players, <laughs> right? Yeah. Their ownership is yep. <laughs> as well. That's what we're, I, I, you know, maybe it's very messy. Maybe you could make it happen if it's just like okay, like and the owners aren't going to want it. Like you can't force the owners to sell part of the team, but maybe you would say, okay, we're gonna make ten percent of each team available, but like players, you have to figure out a way to buy in at market rates. Mm-hmm. And then you know, but okay, so so how about this though, Keith? Like when the team gets sold, then the players aren't owners anymore. <laughs> they that's that's the whole thing. They just got paid. Like you, you can only yep. get paid if you get sold. So it would be temporary. As soon as the team gets sold, then you're not owners anymore. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's the only why you get think. paid is selling your stake. Exactly. That's why I think your your kind of thought of like it, it sits in a you know league wide pool of. You know, all right. When a team gets sold, that you know every player in the entire NBA gets, you know, a l- little little bonus money. Well, when that happens, I think that's the only way it works. Because I think about right, we we know the Phoenix Suns are for sale right now. What's the stop? Some guy who's made a very minimal. If this was in place, so yeah, we get a chunk of the sale. What's the stop? Some guy who's made very minimal being like, hey, can I get traded to the Suns? Like, because you know when they sell a little later this year, I I want a chunk. Right, because uh, I'm sitting here on you know a team that I'm I'm on the Lakers and it's never going to get sold. Like I, you know, get get me over there, and that that's a whole another weird thing we'd have to track of like you know players are asking for trades specific destinations for has nothing to do with basketball, and that starts to get really weird. So yeah, I think it only works if it's some kind of you know right league wide everybody get gets a little bonus payment and off we go. But yeah, I don't know why an owner would ever say like yeah sure as especially as I'm leaving the league. Let me please give more money to the to this league. I I just I, I think it's almost a non-starter. You did bring up something though, the idea of like maybe kind of a roster expansion. Maybe that's what could change with the two ways. It's just, yeah. Sorry, it's not two way anymore. It's just two more roster spots, or maybe yeah. maybe those roster spots are like can only be for someone on a one year fully non guaranteed contract, but sure. it still is an NBA contract with an NBA salary, and it counts against the cap and the tax and. Uh, you know, that's something I think would be a, a pretty reasonable reform of that. Um, okay. Yeah, I uh, dropped in so, the la- in the section where, where you had said, like, things we want to change. I have an idea that's related to that that, that I, I think comes with, you know, when we expand and, and that. But, but I can hit yeah. on that. Well, this is, this is probably going to have to be a two-parter. It's <laughs> shocker, we're, right? We're, we're soon reaching the, the hour right. mark. But, uh, and we haven't even gotten through... Uh, you know, probably half of this outline. Anything else that from when you're talking to either agents or the player side uh, yep. that's come up? Then this is the last one is yeah. they would like to see some level of, I don't know how familiar you are with the NFL, but in the NFL, teams can roll over cap space from one year to the next. They would like to see some level. Um, they, they, all seem to fully recognize it can't be all right. Hey, I'm sitting on 30 million in cap space. I'm going to roll it all over to next year and have 90 million in cap space, but some level of rollover um, within a cap within um, the league year. And the thought was you have to declare it um, by the time you hit the uh, trade deadline or the end of the regular season, the NFL doesn't have as of the last regular season game uh, you play is, um, I am now rolling over whatever I've got left left. Almost every team does it um, and, and rolls it over. So that's where where there is that thought out there of, you know, hey, why does cap space just expire and go away at the end of a, a league year? Why can't it roll over into the next year? Because why should you be forced to 
eat a bunch of bad contracts and other things just because you can. Um, now, if you want to, sure, if you're going to get draft picks or whatever, you want to be the third team in, in to help a trade get moved through and you get paid to do so, great. But the thought was, hey, if I'm sitting on, you know, four or five million in cap space, why can't I roll over? And one of the agents that I talked to a lot said, I he, his idea was I'd cap it at, you know, no more than whatever, you know, equal to the mid-level amount was going to be. Um, that can get rolled over uh, into the next year and then then you throw that on top of what you have whatever you had uh coming into the next season so it just kind of gets rolled over as an exception basically more or less yeah but it would be an exception you could use to like you know sign or or whatever or you could just throw it into the full-on into the cap space um where you know all right we're gonna have 30 we rolled over 10 now we have 40 million in cap space and i kind of like the idea because it's often we see teams like oh man they're just shy of a max contract they would add a you know fun for guys like us, layer of complexity to roster building of ah, uh, they're going to sit on that ten million because that'll push them to be able to offer a full max deal uh, next off season and things like that. But I that one I could kind of see maybe having some legs, um, but it's one of those where what happens when you get some team uh, that just you know all of a sudden they're like you know we're not going to spend and we're just going to roll and roll and roll and roll. Um, that's why I think you have to put a cap on how much can be rolled over each year. Well, and particularly because you have the minimum team salary Mm -hmm. requirement where you definitely there. I don't think you should do it in a way where it's like it would have to be no more than 10% of the salary cap, basically. Right. Because they they have to pay out 90% of of the cap. That's probably the right way to do it. I mean, it seems kind of fun. I it seems like more trolling it's worth to me, probably, uh, as someone who has to like keep up these spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but. But I mean, See, you it, went there and I went, oh man, that's a whole nother line item I can add of your know, oh rolled over God. space. And I get all excited about J- it, but <laughs> J- joking aside, I think, uh, it's just something that like fans, it'd be hard for them to understand sure. as well. I, I mean, cause football, the idea there is, well, you're not spending in this one year, then you're going to spend in the next year. Correct. But football doesn't have a soft cap, right? Like, so it's kind of more of a one-time thing in football, but you still, once you uh, eliminate that rollover then you're you have to get back under the cap again next year whereas for basketball that's just a way for teams that are gonna that one-time rollover though is gonna lead to a contract probably that's you know maybe you could make it something along the lines of like the rollover only lasts for one year so it's sort of like a designated or, or a uh an injury exception contract right like um you know where it's only for one year and you can only use it to like trade for get a, a player on a one-year contract maybe something like that like I, i'm not against it i'm kind of just like all right that's it's interesting but it seems like again with the the minimum team salary kind of takes the uh, you know kind of serves that purpose already because in football they don't really have that so like football there's this complex thing where it's like over five years and basically no one ever gets hit by it yeah and we we i think we both know too from doing it a lot of what we do and how we cover the league it's pretty rare that teams are sitting on any kind of uh meaningful amount of cap space i mean i I mean this is the first year right i don't think we've seen like the spurs and the pacers both having like 30 million this is the first time i can ever remember that happening this thunder had a ton last year yeah you know you see teams go in with maybe like five million or so in previous years but i think this is really the first time we've seen teams going in with 25 30 million in space 
Yeah, I mean, and it was I obviously the the process Sixers had a had a pretty big uh, you know chunk yeah. that they sat on and okay, years, yeah, but that was all by design, cool. right? That was you know completely yeah. But that but back yeah, then it's, they it's very rare. Yeah, yeah. Back then, I think like the Nuggets were there too. In that CBA, yep. you could game the minimum team salary rules mm-hmm. by because yep. it only big counted time. it at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. That was a you know weird work that it, thankfully just for accounting purposes and spreadsheets they fixed because i hated figuring all that stuff out but yeah it's uh yeah it's just it's one you know i've heard it thrown out there by a couple uh, different people coincidentally who happen to also represent nfl players just as a as an aside so it was uh you know just one of those things where it's like yeah you know they should do this too so that's where i think you know that's kind of where that's coming out of all right man well this was awesome i said 45 minutes it's been an hour <laughs> so you're gonna have to let you go and watch uh, some games. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday night, uh, coming out Thursday. But yeah, let's let's get back to finish the, this conversation again soon because we got a lot more stuff we got to get to, and you know uh, we've got a little bit of a time crunch because December fifteenth. But I, I don't think we're going to get an announcement in the next couple of weeks. So no, uh, I don't if you think can make the time. We'd love to love to continue and have you back. Uh, really appreciate it, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm happy to come back on and and do it. And then you and I can fix all the rest of it with with our great ideas. <laughs> oh yeah no that's that's excellent okay so you can follow keith on twitter uh and that is keith smith nba uh spot track celtics blog as well so uh great having you on keith and let's talk again soon thank you at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.